A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be talking about time management in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first... The Daily Stand-Up. Time for the Daily Mm Stand-Up. So, guess what yesterday was? Yesterday. Um, So, that would be June 16th. I have no... I've got nothing for that. What was it? Yesterday was the summer solstice. And, more importantly, the Fremont neighborhood in Seattle solstice festival. Okay. Which is to I, say, I have... Kat texted me early in the morning to say, outside of my window, there are a whole bunch of naked people on bicycles. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I don't really have to ask what the, uh, <laughs> what the accoutrement of the holiday is. Apparently it is naked people on bicycles? Naked people on bicycles. That is apparently the big thing uh, for the solstice. The summer solstice in particular. The winter solstice might be a little, oh, yeah. uh, you know, nippy for yeah. uh, for that particular wardrobe choice. <laughs> that may not work out so well. Uh, but yeah, apparently there, the, the tradition is to get all like covered in body paint, do like a whole big body paint costume, and other mm. than the body paint, just hop on your bike all natural and ride it in a big parade. Oh man, uh, that I cannot think of anything worse than slathering myself up in uh, in paint and giving myself a bicycle seat suppository. That sounds absolutely <laughs> dreadful. I, um, that's kind of where I was too. I'm like, I barely want to get on my bike. I really don't want to get on my bike naked. Right. And and the thing is, like, after you do that, that that bicycle seat is burned. Like, you can't, that that is no longer usable by anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, conceptually it's burned, and physically it would be shortly thereafter burned. I would just be like, well, let me get the wrench, taking this one off, throwing it in the fire. <laughs> you know, that actually concerns me, because, you know, if, uh, obviously we live in the South, so we're nowhere near that. Uh, but if I lived near the Seattle area and, you know, it was right after the, the solstice and somebody was selling a bicycle, I would have to very <laughs> pointedly ask them, uh, was this used in the solstice uh, festivities? Because if it was, uh, I would, it, okay, maybe I wouldn't like completely cancel the purchase, but I would at a minimum say, you know, knock about 20 bucks off so I can buy a new fucking seat. <laughs> I mean, we live in the South, and I'm a pretty big guy, so I'm pretty sure that I could start the parade in a complete full-body Captain America costume, Mm -hmm. and and about five and a half minutes after we started, I would just be blue, white, and red (laughs) tie-dye dripping off my toes. I was about to say, at at best, it would be blue, white. And uh, and red tie dye. At worst, uh, it would have just completely sloughed off, and you would be completely au natural. Oh, and and here's the thing: like, there's a there's a big festival that's part of it. It's a two day thing, so it's still going on. Uh, I I had to look it up because you know the initial the initial question was the fuck mm-hmm. um, when I was told that there was a bunch of naked people on bicycles outside the window. Uh, and, and they've got like a, a whole website for the for the festival, and there is a fact, and within the fact are questions like, "Is this an all ages festival?" Which it is. The only okay, note good. is is to know that 
the traditional garb of the bike folks is very often, you know, just body paint. Right. And so there is a note that is like, please be courteous and take into account the eye level of children when when deciding on your outfit off the bike. What the fuck does that mean? I think what it are means, you talking about? I think it means like <laughs> feel free to be naked on your bike, but but get like a loincloth or something so you don't have the dangle whapping the children as you walk through the parade like the uh, festival grounds. I'm sorry, but I just I guess I don't understand like like that seems like a weird stipulation. Like you're having a bicycle festival that is all about like I guess not completely about nudity, but it is a large part of it is about nudity. And you're worried about, like, kids sing, seeing the dangly bits? Oh, like, that seems weird. It's not just the bike thing. Like, the bike thing is a big part of it. That's, like, the parade. But then there's a big sort of outdoor art festival that goes along with it. So you get all slathered up in your body paint, <laughs> ride around on the bike for an hour or so. And it's a little less hot there than it is here. But still, you're riding around on the bike for a while. Then you jump off the bike, uh, throw on, like, I don't know, your loincloth or whatever, and then walk around the art festival and, you know, check out the booths and... I don't know. I don't know. I, I get it. I, I understand. Like, I'm not even necessarily worried about the fact that there are a bunch of naked hippies, you know, riding through on bicycles. I'm just worried about uh, <laughs> about their their odd choice of decency <laughs> when it comes to that. Oh, okay. I'll I'll get off the subject. Well, <laughs> I'll try to be funny about something else. Well, there um, there are other useful notes like if you're going into any restaurants or bars in the neighborhood during the festival, please bring a towel because <laughs> oh no, oh. otherwise it can take weeks to get the body paint off of the bar stools and benches, and oh, in some I instances, am... depending on the fabric. It may ruin them completely, so it is greatly appreciated if you bring a towel to sit down on. See, I am, you know, the the body paint part of it is that's completely practical. Uh, bring yourself uh, a little, you know, some like baking, you know, butcher's paper. Lay it down so that you don't get your uh, your paint on the on the the stalls and stuff like that. I am far more worried about the butt and genital schmutz. That they would be imparting upon these things, you you can get something to clean paint. There are some smells that just do not come out of fabric, and <laughs> that is that is right up there on the list. Um, if I had an establishment around there and I saw some naked people walking in, I, I would not I would not appeal to their sense of hey, don't get paint on my stuff. I, I would appeal to their sense of please don't put your stank ass on my bar stools. <laughs> your <laughs> like, funky please. summer bike butt. <laughs> your f- funky summer bike butt. Please don't don't do that. Oh god. Oh, you know I thought that like I don't know some festival where they where they like strap uh, spiders to you and have them like bite you repeatedly. I thought that would be the kind of scene that would be the the least likely for me to attend. Uh, but I think this may be the the least likely festival for me to ever attend whatsoever. Uh, at least as a participant, like I- I'm not really like a voyeur. Like I'm not gonna be uh, going to it like a. I'm not going to like nude beaches and and watching nudie people. Like that's that's not my thing. Um, I mean, besides, that's what the internet's for. Um, but you know, I am not going to subject other people to my naked body. Um, that just doesn't seem like a good scene, to be honest. Um, it's only polite. I mean, there, there's only so much that paint can, can hide. Um, you know, two layers of fabric are normally, uh, what it takes to keep, you know, <laughs> to keep my body decent. Uh, so I am not going to go with, uh, <laughs> with like a, a, a micron of, of vinyl <laughs> keeping me. Uh, from complete nudity. That that sounds like a bad time. Um. Okay. So okay. We we've talked about the mechanics a little bit. What what really is the uh, what started this? Like who decided? Hey, you know, sun's out, buns out. Let's go ride a bike. Like like who who started this? You know, I I don't know necessarily. 
Um, I, like I, I, I honestly did do a slight amount of research, and it just seems <laughs> like the kind of thing that the city was because uh, Fremont is kind of like a little city that got absorbed into Seattle in like the er, late 1800s. So, I mean, it's uh-huh. it's pretty much always been a part of modern Seattle, but it has always right. been known as like the crazy artist commune. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's, that's kind of where like keep Seattle weird is sort of yeah. has its locus. They, they call it uh, the center of the universe and they do stuff like this. Like there's a, there's like a a troll statue under a bridge that is large enough that part of the statue is it is crushing a Volkswagen bug in one hand. <laughs> now, are we we talking about like the the mythical creature troll or like the little statues with the funky hair and the little jewel in the belly button? Uh, it's a mythical troll. It would be okay. much better if it were the other one, but I'm fairly <laughs> certain like all the hair would get kind of rank pretty quick. Yeah, and you'd have to like you'd really have to hire somebody to be like the the hair keeper, and that's really not not a good time. <laughs> no, but I I could see you know as as a community trying to stand out like this being something that they would that that would be right up their alley. Did you happen to see any other of the uh, other than the troll, obviously, uh, other random bullshit that this town has decided to uh, to be its claim to fame? Well, there's, uh, there was one guy that raised up money via mortgaging his house to take a statue of linen uh, and bring it and restore it and put it up in town. So they, they've got their oh, own... Oh, boy. They've got their own statue of linen. <laughs> Not sure that's the, the horse I want to hitch my wagon to, <laughs> but that that's different. It it's definitely, definitely makes different. them stand out. <laughs> It oh, seems God. like a it seems like a pretty fun little place to to hang out. Like I didn't I didn't necessarily realize what the area was like until I started looking it up. It's it's one of those things where you're like, all right, Fremont, cool. That's a neighborhood. There's a lot of neighborhoods all over the place. <laughs> Everybody's got a neighborhood. Right. Until someone texts you like, there is just a, a stream of naked people on bikes passing the window. <laughs> it's like a hippie nudist colony that just happened to incorporate. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, well, we got a zip code now, so <laughs> I guess we can uh, start putting out some sort of a newsletter or something. <laughs> I mean, that seems like that seems to be the only naked thing. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> seeing as I kind of had to look the place up yesterday to investigate as to why there were naked people on bikes but it it seems like other than the summer solstice they're just like yep we're that's cool during the summer we put body paint all over ourselves and hop on the bike and cruise it around town for a little while i mean like you said for the winter solstice that would be kind of hard to replicate that in the uh the frigid fucking north but i mean i can also understand how that would be a very difficult uh, and treacherous Google search to craft <laughs> to attempt to try to uh, try to suss out what you're looking for of you know naked events uh, in Seattle. Um, you you you've, you know we talked about some weird ads coming up from uh, some of the Google searches prompted by this show. That would definitely get you some singles singles in the area if they've got you know because uh, if if they've got the summer solstice one there's the winter solstice one I think I could probably go in for the naked bike ride during the winter solstice just given my <laughs> uh, body type <laughs> you you certainly would be the 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 last survivor I think I think so like it would just be like it's it's more of an endurance race like the summer one is kind of a haha festival this one is just like the death race to see who gets across the finish line alive and I'm pretty sure I could take all the kale eating hipsters from the artist colony uh, in see, a uh, in a trek across the frozen north with you know nothing but a bike seat for uh, for protection. <laughs> Of the nude sports, I think this is the closest uh, that your particular situation could come to performance-enhancing drugs. <laughs> because <laughs> you have been training for that particular event your entire life, and you just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> My time has come. My people need me. <laughs> oh, oh. Want to get to the deep dive, Derek? Let's do that. 
All right, today on The Deep Dive, uh, we want to talk about time management. We all agreed to give a certain amount of our time to our employer for a certain amount of money. How much of that time is actually spent truly working is another matter entirely. Between social media, streaming services, and other distractions, keeping ourselves on task is probably more difficult than it's ever been. Uh, Frank, as someone who deals in the realm of the mighty man hour, uh, how much of your time do you spend managing other people's time management? Managing other people's time management. Ah, like I was, I thought we were going to ask me my time management, but man, no, no, that, that's step two. That's mm. step two. Other people, I think probably, I mean, it's not a huge amount. It's maybe 15, 20% of my job and I less manage their time management and more encourage them to make good decisions. <laughs> In this in this new age of agile software development, I'm more like a parent with no power <laughs> and limited visitation than I am <laughs> any sort of taskmaster. At best, I can be like, are you sure what you want to be doing right now is playing World of Warcraft? Yeah, I I could see that. That that would be kind of a difficult situation to be in because like you said, you if you don't actually have the power to enforce those good practices that you are espousing, um that that makes it kind of difficult cuz I mean basically it's like it, <laughs> you're the parent that doesn't whip its children. You you can only like give them a timeout or a scolding. Uh, <laughs> so you can't actually like you know, you're, they're sitting there playing World of Warcraft, and you're like, shouldn't you be working? And they're like, fuck you, dad. <laughs> you're not my real dad anyway. You're not my real dad. Um, I don't I don't even think I can give time out, you know? Like, I, I at best, <laughs> I've got this stern look and the scolding of... Yeah, and I mean, that's that's kind of a difficult, difficult scene anyway, because, you know, <laughs> giving the time out, you know, at least if they're playing WoW, they're like scratching an itch so that maybe eventually they would get back to doing actual work. But if you give them a timeout, not only are they not doing work, but they're also not, you know, doing the thing that, that they wanted to do in the first place. Uh, so once they get out of timeout, they will then finish what they were doing, whatever raid and or set of quests they were doing in World of Warcraft, uh, and then would uh, hopefully eventually get to work. But uh, that would that would be sunk time. World of Warcraft and Facebook are both essentially like just drips of dopamine directly you are to exactly a pick right. line. And it's it's like, how are you supposed to compete with that? Like both yeah. of these things have been cunningly engineered over the course of a decade to just suck all of your life force out. And and so if if someone starts, you know, like if someone is far enough gone that they're willing to to World of Warcraft on the company dime, <laughs> like there's not a fuck lot we can do at that point. That's a lost cause. We just box them up and slowly push them out the bay door. Yeah, but no, I mean you you're actually, I mean both uh, from a, like a psychological perspective and a chemical perspective, you're exactly right that that both like Facebook, social media, um, and like addictive games like World of Warcraft are almost identical in their chemistry because of the the amount of dopamine that they you know the little doses of dopamine they give you out throughout the experience you know with uh you know with world of warcraft and things like that you know essentially every time you get a new weapon or a new piece of armor or a little bit of gold or something like that or a new skill you know you get that rush of like ah yeah i just got something you know that's you know, it's it's triggering something in me. Um, but the same thing with like you know, Facebook. Every time you get a like or a share or somebody comments on something, um, you get that little rush of dopamine. So, you know, from like an an addiction perspective, like it is identical. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of a problem. And that's that's why it's so difficult to kind of balance those into the the overall time management, because, you know, essentially work is work. Like, you know, sometimes you can get those kind of dopamine bumps you know while you're doing work because like you feel like you've um you've accomplished this thing or you've you know solved this really difficult problem that's been plaguing you for a while you feel that that rush of endorphins um from a job well done uh but it's it's fewer and far between and and i mean that's exactly what facebook and, and those type of games are designed to do like it's supposed to be you, you get it easier than by doing work therefore 
fuck work. Let's go, you know, dick around on this other thing. Um, and for some people, doing the work, like if if you get the opportunity to do what you love, so that doing work is also sort of hitting those reward centers. That's the best place you can be. And I hate you. Because <laughs> nobody's really having more fun than I am. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I think that I was kind of lucky to, you know, kind of find the career that I, that I really enjoy. You know, it, it still is work. Like I, it's not quite a, you know, it, it's not like I'm going into, I don't know, fucking eat ice cream all day. Um, but it's definitely something that's that's rewarding to me and something that I enjoy. But even even though I enjoy it and I feel like I'm lucky to to have this career, uh, there's still times where I'm like, I really don't want to go fucking unit test that. I would rather, I I don't know, I would rather be doing anything else. So yeah, that's when you know you have those difficult afternoons where maybe you've uh, eaten a heavy meal or. Um, the coffee is running out and you are really just, you are trying to keep it together. But you, you know, if you have a really tight deadline, you're kind of in a precarious situation because your brain is going to want to tell you to, to kind of switch off and, you know, pull something up on Netflix or YouTube or Twitch if your, uh, if your office allows it and just kind of turn <laughs> your brain off for a little bit. So those, so, you know, without spilling the beans too much, um, how much of a struggle do you find it to do? to stick on task whenever things get difficult like that. See, for me, I I guess I'm one of those people that just always remains perpetually paranoid that like when you said Netflix and Twitch, I was like, who the fuck has the cojones to sit there and watch Twitch or, you know, stream the latest Santa Clarita diet on Netflix (laughs) In the middle of the workday, like that's just fucking baffling to me. So I don't, I don't necessarily have the same problems in in that respect. Like uh, I think for me, it's more just like I'll wander off a little bit in the in the slowest <laughs> moments. Like I just won't be there anymore, and I will I will go do something else. <laughs> it sounded very ominous there for a second. Like, did you just do you just disapparate when you're bored? <laughs> like. <laughs> You gotta hold my attention, Derek, or I just kind of puff into smoke. <laughs> or or your your whatever binds you to this plane of existence ceases, and you, you return uh, from whence you came. <laughs> that no. dark realm calls me back. <laughs> no, uh, you know personally, I you know I, I live in this constant state of uh, <laughs> I don't know mild interruption, and that and it can be from any source. Uh, it could be from uh, a phone call, uh, you know, a notification from somewhere, something else in the company, an email, you know, what, whatever. You know, I am in a constant state of interruption. <laughs> so the the problem with that, you know, when I you know, put on my headphones and and try to do some real serious heads down work, you know, I pretty much have to attempt to tune everything out, like turn off notifications and set my phone on the other side of the desk so I can't even feel it vibrate, um, because once once that switch flips and I'm in like heads down mode, I've got about 20 good minutes of (laughs) knocking this shit out of the park. And, you know, so in 20 minutes I can achieve, you know, three or four hours of, you know, somewhat interrupted, you know, you know, so that context switching, uh, mentality, mentality that we're normally in, I can get a lot more done in 20 minutes than I can of, you know, three or four hours of, of only, uh, mild attention. Once that 20 minutes is up, you know, maybe I get another 20 minutes. Maybe I get 20 after that. Like maybe I get this long stretch of really knocking stuff out of the park. Um, doesn't happen often. Essentially, you know, I get that 20 minutes knocked out of the park. All of a sudden, you know, I, I open up my notifications. There's like 50 of them. So I'm like, Oh fuck. Oh, so, you know, and, and a lot of them are, are work related there. If you, if you do it that way, it's called having a problem. However, uh-huh. if you write a article or book about it and put a framework <laughs> around it, suddenly you've got the next breakout business hit. Right. Because what you're basically describing is the Pomodoro method by which you set a timer and then you, you heads down for as long as the timer's running. And then when the timer rings, you get up, you do something else for five minutes and then you come back. 
set your timer again and heads down and it's supposed to keep your focus on the work during the times when you're working by right. giving you segmented uh, periods of concentration. Right. Which is exactly the same, you know, essentially a, uh, mine was a less healthy version uh, of that, but it was, it was attempting to do that thing. Um, but it kind of leads into my next point or, or my next uh, bullet of time at work versus time out of work. Essentially a lot, a lot of people in our profession tend to think that the more time you are physically at the office, the more work somebody will get out of you. So my, my question to you is, uh, and I, th I think I kind of already know the answer. Um, is the correct answer or is the correct formula to get as much time out of people as possible, or is it to get less time, but more focused time? You know, essentially that the, the calculation is, would you rather have people be at work for 12 hours a day, you know, a third of that, which is actual productive work, or would you rather essentially just let people come in for four to five hours a day of no bullshit, all focused work? I mean, from a from a modern management perspective, I would say it's better to get a shorter period of time that is higher quality work than to demand a longer period of time that does not necessarily produce the, the same amount of quality. Right. The pessimistic manager will come back and say, you know, if, if we cut the workday from eight hours to six hours but people fuck off for 25% of the eight hours and they fuck off for 25% of the six hours. All we've done is you're still fucking off for 25% of the time that you're here. You're just here less. Right. And so we're getting less out of you as opposed to the assumption that, you know, I I've only got say four hours of high quality productivity in me and so i can either sit here for eight hours to give you four hours of good productivity or i can sit here for six hours to give you four hours of productivity and either way you're getting the same amount out of me and the other way i'm not sitting here soaking up your air conditioning for an additional two <laughs> hours of the day and that, that i mean that is not i mean in in my mind that is not a crazy calculus to try to to work out because the thing is is that you know let's say that of, of all the time that i'm that i'm in the office i probably have three to four hours of a hundred percent focused time and that that might even be a little bit liberal like that 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 might be a little bit high um just because every time you you put your headphones on um and you get an email it's it sets you back to zero like you have to build that that focus back up and build up that concentration um so, you know, I've done side projects in the past where essentially um, any time that I've worked on it has been, you know, my own time that I have, you know, cordoned off to work on this thing. And all the work that I've done for those side projects, which at this point probably has been 800, 900 hours of, of side work. Every time when I've sat down to, to start coding on a side project, I have been laser focused because I knew that it was my time. I knew that that the more I devoted to this, it wasn't going to result in in more money you know the more mo the more time i spent towards it the less i was making so i wanted to be laser focused in what i was doing so you know in those 800 900 hours of of, of you know freelancing uh, essentially maybe i mean pr probably 10 hours of that might have been fucking around like maybe i'll check an email or so or you know uh, look up a youtube video because, uh, you know, if you're looking at listening to music on YouTube and it like rolls over to another video and it's like some chuckle fuck falling down a set of stairs, like suddenly you're in a, <laughs> a bit of a uh, YouTube rabbit hole. But, you know, most of that is heads down focus time. So that kind of has has kind of led me to believe that if honestly, if people just kind of let go of that 40 hour work week myth, if if people were allowed to essentially do the work in the time that they felt most comfortable doing it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I think flex time, uh, has a limit. Like you don't want to have, you know, somebody doing their work from 8 PM to 12 AM just because you want to have a team atmosphere. Um, but you know, honestly, if somebody can do the same amount of work in three hours that somebody else can do in eight, I say, fuck it, let him, let him do it in three hours let them be available for meetings and, and conversations and things like that. But, um, if they can, if they can knock the work out in three hours, I think that's not, 
that's not bad. I mean, I think that's a positive, positive exchange. Yeah, if you can harness like the the intent and the effort of the worker to to do the work, and, and they're excited about it, then then you're kind of good to go. Like that's that sort of situation where if if you're excited to do the work, it's not necessarily really work. And as long as you can keep people engaged at that level, um, then you know the the work that they're doing, the time that they're there is is quality time. And if they're not engaged, then you know, do you really want to be paying them to to sit around and stare off into space? For me, I think it's like getting commitments. If mm-hmm. if we can come to an agreement as to what a realistic and rational commitment is and we we have signed off on that together you know between manager and worker then whatever you need to do in order to make that commitment that's that's what i'm looking for so if i feel a completely rational commitment is for you to deliver me you know this set of working software in two weeks and and you agree you're like yeah i think i can do that in two weeks if you do it in a week and a half, fuck it. You know, I'm not going to be like, well, cool. You did that in a week and a half. I've got some other stuff for you to do. It's just right. like, all right, cool. You, you met your commitment. That's what I was looking right. for. And if, and if it comes down to it and you've got to work, you know, a couple of nine or 10 hour days in order to meet that commitment, well then hopefully you won't commit to that much in the next cycle. Right. And, and the thing is like, if somebody has to put in a couple of nine or 10 hour days, it's probably not because they, you know, underestimated the work and, you know, essentially it was just more work than they had anticipated. Uh, honestly, it's probably like, Oh, well they, they probably shouldn't have spent that one hour fucking around on something else. Um, they, they should have been working on that thing. But yeah, I, I've had people that I've worked with that have literally, they had two hours a day where they were working, you know, pretty much undistracted, and you know fully on task but those two hours were fucking magical like they could they could fucking like honestly if uh if if somehow you could distill that two hours and turn it into somebody uh that could concentrate like that for an entire eight hours like uh we would we would have skynet tomorrow like somebody (laughs) would be able to program skynet tomorrow um, because those two hours were magical. Like they were, it was impressive the amount of work this guy could get done in a couple of hours. Um, but then the other six hours, like he would, he would fuck right off, like just would unabashedly fuck right off. But the thing is like, you know, to management, I would defend him tooth and nail because the thing is my eight hours of, you know, four to five hours of, of work that I'm actually doing versus the, the three that I'm, um, a little bit interrupted, distracted, um, like those are his two hours are worth way more than my four or five. So <laughs> if you're going to, uh, don't get rid of anybody. Um, but if anybody's on the, on the chopping block, he's worth more to you than the rest of us. You know what else is magical, Derek? What's that, Frank? The elevator to accounting. It is quite magical. books? Do you live near small bodies of water surrounded by trees and other wildlife? Is that geese shit? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then you have found a home here at the Brook Reading Podcast. Each week, I read a book while nestled in my small New Jersey apartment and gaze out the window at a brook. Then, I jump online, talk about it, ask for your opinions, and bitch about something for approximately five minutes. If you'd like to join this madness, check me out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or on Lipson.com. You can also contact me at brookreading at gmail.com or on Twitter at brookreadingpod. Let's step into some animal feces together. Yeah, but if if we can keep this next section to a tight 30, that'd be great because I've got some Italian beef waiting on me. And that's that's not a euphemism. That's that's like, all right, you you be into what you're into. All right, Derek, want to go into the review retrospective? That sounds delightful. Let's see what the people have to say. All right. So our first one is from Papa D 182 Five stars. <laughs> Relatable fun. 
These hosts have great chemistry. I like their casual back and forth. They're witty, funny, and very relatable to the working class. The advice is from everyday people that share everyday situations. Really fun show. Everyday people? Working class? (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck do they think we are? I'll have you know that I am lower middle class at best. (laughs) Uh, But no, really, thank you for the, the compliments. That was nice. That was uh, maybe a little too truthful, um, but nice. <laughs> I'm always willing to take the truth, Derek. Like, uh, we're just average Joes. We're the kind of people that you could crack a beer with. Although currently I'm on a low-carb diet, so I can't actually drink <laughs> beer. But. Uh, had to be like a Michelob Ultra. Derek, I respect myself too much to drink a fucking Michelob Ultra. <laughs> I would rather sit there, crack open a decent beer, and everyone else drinks their beer while I slowly pour it out sip by sip on the ground. Uh, I I feel that you would respect yourself more in the morning doing that than the alternative. (laughs) Or worse, Michelob Ultra with lime. Oh, that's a thing? That's a thing. Like, I don't know. At this point, let's just... Let's just fucking stop trying. Like, if I'm... (laughs) If I both can't stomach beer and also I can't handle, you know, the calories and carbs involved in a beer, I'll have a fucking water. Jesus. (laughs) It's already like having sex in a canoe anyway. (laughs) What? Weak beer. It's like having sex in a canoe. It's fucking close to water. That is the first time I have ever heard that phrase. Oh, that is great. Oh. <laughs> Just read, read, read the next one, Frank. Come on. All right. Uh, the next one is from Musical Buccaneer. Five stars. Wish I worked with these guys. If ever there was a show that elevated the two guys talking about stuff format, it's this one. Derek and Frank are hilarious and share the easy banter of two people who've been cracking jokes together for a long time. It's an easy, breezy listen, and, as a fellow office drone, extremely relatable. Also, Frank sounds like Ron Swanson, and that really only makes things better. So this is my favorite review. I don't know why, I just feel a certain kinship with it. See, but it's also my favorite because when they said uh, Derek and Frank, they said my name first. So that's cool. Uh, but we're, we we elevate the two guys talking about stuff format. So I'm glad that we are able to do that. <laughs> the stuff being sex jokes. Uh, yeah, I was going to say mostly jerking off and pooping, I think is <laughs> like I hey. say, I say certain things are not on brand for us, but I don't yeah. know as I want to be part of the brand that is on brand for this podcast. That right. that's kind of where I'm at. Don't don't be afraid of it, Frank. Embrace it. I'm going to have to Embrace lean it. into it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe don't lean into the poop. That's then you got to like <laughs> wash your elbow and stuff. That's that's gross. Uh. But no, thank you so much for the reviews. We appreciate it. All right. It's time for the Indie Podcast Corner. In this segment, we take a few minutes to tell you about a new podcast we've been enjoying that we think you will enjoy, too. This week, our featured show is the Real Feels Podcast. Uh, The hosts are Drew and Nathan, and they watch... Derek, I have Hmm? real feels. Uh I have real feels already, because you know what you didn't do? What's that? You didn't make the theme song, Derek. No, I didn't... (sighs) I promise you, I spent three hours trying to write a fucking jingle yesterday. I swear to Christ, like, the people that wrote, like, like the Oreo, Oreo jingle and all that kind of shit, they probably spent less time writing that than I have tried writing this jingle. Every time I do it, it sounds like fucking Mr. Rogers. I don't know what, <laughs> what is wrong. Hey, I love Mr. Rogers. He was a good person. 
But I don't think we've earned enough credit with our listeners for me to be able to put on some like you know, Mr. Rogers ass shit and uh, have people take it at face value. So uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, All right. It, I just wanted is, to know that you suffered for your art, Derek. I there. So I suffered, and then once I finish it, everybody else will be able to suffer too. That's that's the only reason we do anything in this world, isn't it? True. So that we can inflict uh, it on others. <laughs> Uh, but they are the Real Feels Podcast. Uh, it's host Drew and Nathan. Uh, they watch and review classic movies from their childhood, such as Willow, H- uh, Happy Gilmore, and Little Rascals. Um, it is very funny, and they are truly just genuinely nice guys uh, that make the whole show an absolute delight. Um, just listening to them kind of like recalling their their childhood wonder about these movies is so heartwarming. Um, and they the episode they did on Willow is just fucking great. Um, they had a their their first uh, guest ever, uh, a guy named Jack, and uh, not really you know sure who the guy was, but I have never known anybody to know that much about Willow. Like it was scary. Like <laughs> he knew so much about Willow, but just the conversation they had about it was so fantastic, and I think it broke uh, a lot of their like personal records uh, as far as like downloads and things like that. So. Um, so if you want a good one to, to get into their podcast and know what it's about, the Willow episode, I think it's episode eight, uh, is really great. Um, they release episodes every other Wednesday and you can find them anywhere you get podcasts. And that is, uh, the real feels podcast. You can find them on Twitter at real R E E L feels pod. You know, Derek, I'm listening to this. And I have a question. Who the fuck's mm-hmm. childhood manages to span the Little Rascals, Willow, and Happy Gilmore? Because isn't the Little Rascals from, like, the 1950s or 60s? Not not that one. Like, the, the one with, uh... The, the one, like, the relatively new one from, like, the 90s, I think, where it's like, I got a pickle, I got a pickle, I got a pickle, hey, 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 hey. You don't remember that one? The fuck, Derek? (laughs) I've been asking you for a theme song for the last two episodes, and you give me this pickle horse shit. (laughs) Well, I mean, sometimes inspiration just strikes, Frank. Um, I I guess I missed... Okay, there's a lot of shit about the 90s that I, like, did not get. My childhood kind of encompassed much of the 80s. Uh-huh. Um, so I think a lot of this, my childhood stuff that involves the nineties, I, I don't necessarily see in the same way as some other people. And that fucking well, makes I mean, me feel old, man. Like it I honestly mean, my, does. My first, my first interaction or my first, uh, introduction to the little rascals was the movie in like the nineties. Um, I didn't know that they had existed, you know, before then. Uh, but yeah, that was the oh, incarnation Jesus that Christ. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, I will, I will forward it to you. Uh, and we can, we can watch it. Uh, maybe we can do some sort of simulcast and, uh, we can do some riff tracks on it. How about that? There we go. I can, (laughs) I can just sit here going, what the fuck is this over and over again? (laughs) I'm not saying it's aged well. It probably has not. But if if you are like me and you remember, uh, some of those movies, watch what they have to say about them. It's, it's a really good time. Who the hell decides to remake some yuck yuck kid jokes from the 1950s as a film in the first place? That just I don't know. It's Do you the same remember thing, it like, fondly? I, I mean, yeah, I, I remember it pretty fondly. Like, I I wasn't a very discerning kid. Like, I'm not saying it was like <laughs> the most heartwarming shit ever, but I mean, it was it was good when I was like eight. Is this up there with like Space Jam? Because oh, I'm also absolutely. too old to get Space Jam. Absolutely, yes. It it was certainly uh, in the same you know general. Uh, I don't. I, I highly doubt it was the same year, but it was definitely in that age range of people that that like Space Jam and people that like the new Little Rascals. Derek, I feel old. Let's let's just move on to to the next segment. All right, Derek, want to get to an audience question? Please. I live in a legal weed state. How baked is too baked for a job interview? 
sent oh, in Christ. by Half Baked in Hollywood. Wow. Um, any, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, but no. So baked at all? Yeah, I'll I'll roll it back though. <laughs> Are you a teetotaler, Derek? For for my profession, uh, if you were baked at all coming into an interview, I I don't think it would bode well. But it really depends on what <laughs> what field you're interviewing for. I maybe a pizza maker. Even no, no, that would be bad because if you were high while you were making pizzas, you would then eat all the pizzas. At, at the same time, like in college, there was this guy, and he triple majored in I want to say like physics, mathematics, and philosophy, and successfully. And that fucker was baked as hell, like 24-7. I don't think I ever saw that dude when he hadn't been just, like, ripping it 30 seconds beforehand. I don't know whether to feel, like, impressed or just... Or what I'm really feeling is, like, just this visceral anger. Because, <laughs> like... That someone can do that? What, what was the third? You said physics, mathematics, and what was the third? Philosophy, I, was so, I think. I, I was about to say, I was so angry about the first two that when you got to philosophy, I just already toned, just tuned it out. The fact that he can major in any one, either mathematics or philosophy or uh, physics and be completely just fucking stoned out his, uh, off his gourd. Physics is probably uh, the worst experience I had through college because, you know, mathematics, well, I was, I was fine. Like I wasn't necessarily, uh, I mean, I was in like math team competitions when I was in high school but really, that was kind of the kid stuff. Like, that was... It's like, how many how many apples do you have when you, like, you know, throw them against a wall and you only threw three of them and you had seven? Oh, yeah, you got four. So, you know, may, maybe my, my, uh, my gauge of what is high-skilled math is not exactly up to par. But no, when I got into college and, and got into physics, I was like, I could have sworn that I checked the box for English. And <laughs> like, I swear to Christ, like in, in this, the second physics class that I had, uh, there was, there was literally a test where 80% of the test was written all in like the Greek alphabet. And let me tell you, my Greek was not very strong. <laughs> the, some of the lowest scores I have ever achieved have been on physics tests. I'm really trying to make a joke here, but I'm, I am so livid. Like, I am so fucking pissed. <laughs> so I think, I, you know, for my part, I think it's however stoned you can be and still handle your shit. Yeah. Like, I will say this. If you've got to ask, am I too baked for this interview? The answer is yes. <laughs> and you're exactly right. Because I think your level of competency while baked uh, is directly proportional or inversely proportional to how many times you ask that question of how baked is too baked. Because if you know how to handle your shit, you won't have to ask anybody if you are too baked to handle this interview. If, if you're that good at it, you're going to know that you're going to knock it out of the ballpark uh, after, you know, four or five spliffs. Like, you, you will know what your level is or what your limit is. Um, in some cases, like, <laughs> it will be, am I baked enough? <laughs> to pass this this interview. <laughs> I think I think the corollary to that is also if you have to ask someone do I look stoned <laughs> heading into the interview, <laughs> the answer is yes and you you are too stoned for the interview. Like <laughs> and you know, there there's the running gag of uh like two guys that are that are smoking weed and one looks at the other and it's like, "Hey man, do I smell like weed?" and he's like, "Nah, man, you're good." <laughs> like, that's the kind of shit that that I would be worried about. Because, uh, yeah, it's just like with, like, cigarettes or, you know, any anything else where essentially there's such, a, like, a malodorous uh, note to it. If <laughs> uh, other people will be able to spell it on you, even if you can't. So maybe go with you know, one of the more um, high-tech options for retrie retrieving that, that THC buzz. Don't go for the like hot boxing in your in your Miata. Like that's not going to work out well for you. That is think. that is late seventies, early eighties. I think today it is it is high quality edibles. Uh huh. For your work interview buzz needs. 
Oh, God. Holy shit. So that is the worst fucking idea. Of all the ideas you have had, Frank, that is the worst. And let me tell you why. Because with edibles... Okay, so you, you smoke a joint. You get high right then. With edibles, there is a lot more to factor in on when you will get high. So if you have uh, if you have not eaten anything, you take those edibles, you're going to get it pretty quick. <laughs> if you have eaten that day and you're thinking, let me pop these edibles 10 minutes before I go into this interview, you're going to be stone cold sober for about 30 minutes. And then it's going to look it's going to look like you had a fucking stroke. Like it's going to be <laughs> you, you will be mid fucking sentence. And all of a sudden it's like. Well, when we're talking about synergy, I think, uh, uh, yeah, man, synergy's great. <laughs> so here's the thing: like, <laughs> I, I'm unfortunately showing my hand uh, uh-huh. in the "I'm not a hip cat that uh, smokes those marijuana cigarettes." Um, <laughs> but if if that's the case, here here I think is the solution: if you can show your math. And show up to the interview precisely <laughs> fucked up enough to be completely functional. That in and of itself is probably successful interview material. If you're like, right. what's up, guys? Just like you to know, I'm kind of high, but not too high. And I did it on edibles. Here's the math where I determined exactly what dosage and when I should take it. <laughs> Uh, here is the exact point at which I will My peak. only other question is, when do I start? <laughs> oh, see, but that, that like we've talked about before, uh, there are certain levels of confidence that, that are worthy of being aspired to. And walking into an interview with a, you know some sort of fucking Gantt chart about when the, the, the edibles you just took are going to hit you, uh, that's, that's some balls, I think. <laughs> no, I I can't think of you know if if we're being completely honest, I can't think of a uh, a a really great field that you could be going into that it would look good <laughs> for you to be going in high or talking about your recent marijuana consumption, even even in a legal state. Like it's like you wouldn't have somebody saying it's like yeah. Uh, I just got out of the car and shotgun three natty lights. Let's go, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that being a good scene. But, you know, I, I, everybody has their, their pre, uh, pre-interview ritual. <laughs> if yours it involves <laughs> under the uh, advice of a medical professional or a good weed Sherpa, how bad i suppose (laughs) my doctor gave me this prescription also skinny dave down at the shop told me that this is going to be the kindest bud this is the best shit for getting completely blasted before a big interview (laughs) takes the edge off Uh, leaves my mind sharp want to go for an issue from the internet yeah, before we do, I will say that you could probably of all the podcasts that that could have been asked this question, I feel we are the least prepared uh to have answered that question to be honest. <laughs> I'm not trying to like like, you know, <laughs> to hamstring ourselves, but uh I do feel we are underprepared for that type of content. So, work trip to Colorado? <laughs> Re- we call it a research trip. All right. Is it normal to be really annoyed by PMs who constantly do pep talk by Kevin LQLQ? I so looky looky little quick little quick. I don't know what that stands for. Is that some sort of internet slang? Is that what the if new it kids is, are using? I'm not cool enough to know. All right, look it up on Tumblr later and then we'll, we'll edit it in post. Uh Note, I don't work in sales where pep talk is normal. I work as an, as an analyst on a software development team. I will I will prep you, Frank. <laughs> this uh this will be some triggering bullshit for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Let me get strapped I, in. 
I like to get things done since I'm a very fast worker and I prioritize things well. And when speaking, I need people to get to the point instead of bloating a 15-minute meeting into a 60-minute one filled with common sense any adult already knows. Is it normal to be really annoyed by these pep talks that add zero value to the work you're doing? For example, this is the type of stuff our team's PM, which is probably project manager, usually quote-unquote contributes to conversations that make them ridiculously long and make me want to say, can you seriously just shut up 99% of what you're saying? We already know. Bullet one, we need to work efficiently. Uh, yes, Captain Obvious, only, only idiots won't know that. Bullet two, we need to work on tasks that generate the most revenue first. Uh, yes, Captain Obvious, we're not six-year-olds. We need to find the root cause of this bug. Uh, duh. <laughs> the team needs to work together. Uh, duh. If you need help, don't forget to ask the other team members. Uh, are you serious? I will say that's not me editorializing. Like, that is actually what he's written in this post. <laughs> I've never worked in management before, but is this seriously 90% of what managers do to quote unquote reinforce common sense to the team without actually contributing anything? Like I literally feel zero difference in productivity on my team without a PM a few months ago versus the PM joining us now. Maybe it'll be different if the PM actually had some technical knowledge instead of just being a cheerleader. So, Derek, I want to let you know that in the time that it took you to read that question, the contents of the question, I died of fury, descended into hell, <laughs> fought the devil because I had things I had to do back on Earth, and clawed my way from the pit back to my seat. Oh, oh God. I was hoping that was the reaction that I would get. Because, like... This person, so A, the format that they have chosen to ask this question is the most reprehensible display of English language I have ever seen. Like, it's like... Oh, I'm sure. I, I haven't seen it, and I could tell from here. Like, I was not editorializing. Like, that That was pretty much verbatim what they had written down. All of that was, was what his original intent was. That is the most juvenile shit that I have seen in a question in a long time. And two, like, that their, their whole mindset is, I don't give a fuck about the process. Just let me do my work. And uh, how do you feel about that, Frank? Like, <laughs> this is the kind of shit that you run into constantly. Yeah. All these cowboy coding lone wolf dildos... <laughs> who think they're not, you know, they're not doing uh, in this exact moment what what they want to be doing, and thus everyone else is wasting their time. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of the bane of my existence. So, yeah, thanks, Derek, for for reading this question <laughs> and raising my blood pressure. Let me check my Fitbit and see what my fucking heart rate has spiked to while we're sitting here listening to this. It just says, call the hospital. <laughs> it's like, just stop. Just stop. Hmm, weird. No, like, yeah. I, I And part of me, I get it. Nobody likes to sit in meetings except for me because I'm filled with evil and I want to watch other people suffer. But a lot of this comes down to people who just don't have the visibility into the larger systems they right. don't have a mind for systems thinking that that the only thing that they can see is themselves and they can't really see beyond the end of their nose and right. so for them it's like yeah we need to do the best work first duh well how have we not, determined not really what's duh. the best work to do right exactly like, there, there is a process, because, you know, if they're saying we need to work on tasks to generate the most revenue first, well, there may be some evidence that that hasn't been done in the past. Like, that there has been some, you know, something else that has been prioritized over something to, to deliver the highest value. And it, it, honestly, just, like, a good reminder of that every now and then is not hurting anyone. I mean, unless they literally have like a 45 minute PowerPoint presentation about it, like, sure, that's that's overkill. But just reminding you about, you know, the the tenets of a process like that's not 
asking too much, I feel. I'm sure this person's response to that, 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 you know, it's possible that we could dive further in and find, you know, more precisely the most uh, reward-rich thing to be doing in the moment could be. Like, their response 100% is, well, that's not my job. Somebody else should do it. But at the same time, <laughs> if they're if they're half as hot shit indispensable as they think they are, then wouldn't they be the person that, if not in the best position, at least in a position to be part of that conversation? Right. And that's exactly right. And, and it's right. just things like that. It's like, it's, it's just simple, obvious things that people who are so stuck in their own stuck in their own egos are incapable of seeing most of the right. time like that you're not getting a pep talk like if your project manager has even the barest modicum of capability they have no real desire to be sitting here jerking everybody off like <laughs> absolutely not i could just be sitting at my fucking desk watching netflix apparently <laughs> I have absolutely no reason or desire to hold a meeting that is absolutely worthless. So if if your visibility into that meeting is that it has no value, either you have such a small idea of my intelligence that you think I'm such a raving fucking moron that I don't see that this is a useless meeting... <laughs> or possibly let's take that and twist it just slightly and maybe you're the one that's not necessarily seeing why I've decided to call this meeting and the value that we can get out of it. And that's exactly right. Um, and I will also point out the fact that uh, this guy seems so just so intent on getting the <laughs> getting the most efficient delivery of like software and the most efficient delivery of meetings. It, I mean, it literally took me three minutes to get through this fucking question, like speed reading, like a motherfucker. Like <laughs> it took forever. This, this guy is sitting here subjecting the rest of us <laughs> to this, this rambling ass question. Like wh when he says, for example, there's like another 40 words before he actually gives an example. Like it is like another 30 seconds of exposition before he actually gets to his point. He obviously, uh, does not know how to concisely convey information. Um, he may be the reason that these, these meetings are going so long, uh, either because of his incompetence or his obstinance. Obviously self-congratulatory dildo. <laughs> and, <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. They're, they're I, so for some reason, I had the mental flash of like an actual product called a self-congratulatory dildo. Um, and I'm, and my brain just went off on a tangent on what does that mean? What, what could that product really, uh, really tout as its benefits? Um, I'm doing such a good job. It's got like a yay. little speaker at the base of it. And it just, it <laughs> says about, uh, randomized 25 different phrases. <laughs> Uh, I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm getting you right to Flavortown. <laughs> anyway, I'm oh, sure you had a point. Yeah. Uh, Self-congratulations. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The point was lost somewhere in the sea of rage that exists within me now. Oh, God. Uh, I think that the main takeaway from this question is don't be this douche. Like... There's a process. If you feel that that somebody is is bloating these meetings to where you know they are they're no longer useful, have a conversation with them. You know, talk about okay, can we can we make this more concise? But they they are being hired to do a job. They are being hired to do something that that at least somebody upper management feels is important to be done in these meetings. So work with them, talk with them, talk with your team, and find some some compromise, some middle ground. Um, that doesn't involve you, you know, flipping the table and walking out like a, like a turd, be a professional and just talk to people. Um, and this guy's a software developer. Like we both know people like this do <laughs> be a person, be, be people for a day and try to get along with other people. Jesus Christ. Come on. <laughs>
I'm so mad, Derek. <laughs> I'm so mad. I was about to ask if, if you had succumbed to your fury. <laughs> Look, Frank, uh, you brought this on yourself from bringing up clams in like three different different situations. Um, I wouldn't have done it if I thought you were going to do this, Derek. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Revenge is a dish best served cold, unlike clams. You well. uncontrollably blasting from all orifices <laughs> is far more funny <laughs> than making me face the horrors I have to face every day at work. I mean... At least from here. I, I don't know. I, one of the many services that I provide is immersion therapy. And this is a safe space for you to encounter all the things... Uh, that caused you so much pain, and I feel we're we're gonna get through this. We're we're in the valley right now, but we'll we'll make our way up to the peak, and we'll we'll look back and wonder why we ever worried. <sighs> and I suppose at the end of the day, if the project manager was any good at their job, they would be able to succinctly and eloquently explain exactly the value people will get from this meeting. So perhaps at the end of the day, the, the issue really lies with the project manager all along. That's me looking deep inside, Derek. Deep inside. That, that's, that's all we wanted for you, Frank. This whole podcast has just been to teach you that maybe, maybe it's your fault. Sometimes. This was the longest and least effective goddamn intervention I have ever heard of. <laughs> This question made me start cocaine. So I think we've <laughs> But but it's we've okay. We've done the opposite of an intervention. <laughs> but it's it's okay. It's an edible. So it probably won't take effect until after the podcast is over. So you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I ate two marijuanas, Derek, and then I died. <laughs> Uh, let, let's 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 punch the clock before you punch my lights out. How about that? All right, let's punch the clock. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. We would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at WLICast.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash WLICast or on Twitter at WLimbalance and use the hashtag WLICast. This has been the Work Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. And I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. See what I what so I forgot. So what mad. I forgot is that you know, the podcast is only for you know roughly ninety minutes, two hours uh, every week. Um, but I've got to live with you for the rest of the week. <laughs>